Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Also, our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. indoors in English and 11.45 indoors in Spanish. Amen. Amen. How would you, how would you finish this statement? The year 2020 has been fill in the blank. Literally, hey, maybe if you're watching online today, like you can fill in that blank for a minute. It's okay. This can be a participation. But how would you today fill in that blank? The year 2020 has been I, I asked some people, uh, people just like you, people that are part of this church, of this faith community, how, what word they would use to describe what we've experienced so far in the year 2020. This is what they said. Uh, the year 2020 has been uncertain. That's a good answer. One person said a year of renewal and grief. And think about those two things next to each other, right? If, if I told you January 1st, hey, 2020 is going to be a year of renewal and grief, you'd be like, what? A glorious burden, somebody said. Another person said kind of three separate ideas, disorienting, a blur, and revealing. Disorienting, a blur, and revealing. Uh, another person said it this way, a year of incredible growth, of stretching change, like I'm at the gym training for a marathon, and now God is saying it's one of those ultra marathons. Some of us can relate to that. Another person said this, a year of new experiences, of new challenges that have both unified and divided our world. Think about that again. If I were to say, hey, 2020, it's going to be, it's going to have a, a, a challenges, new experiences, and it's really going to unite and divide people. And he'd be like, oh, okay. Another person said 2020 has been a challenge. Another person said 2020 has been unprecedented. That's a pretty good word. But my word today, uh, when I think about what 2020 has been, if I was going to use a word to describe it, I would use the word storm. <laughs> I think 2020 has been a storm. For many, many people, not just has been a storm, is a storm for many people as we have experienced a worldwide pandemic that has rocked our world. I remember back in March, um, way back in March, Lauren and I, uh, many times at night, sitting on our couch and turning on the news, something that we typically don't do, but just trying to grasp, trying to understand, trying to process all that was happening in our world and all that seemed to be happening very quickly, not just here in our community, but literally around the world, the loss and the devastation and the confusion. It didn't feel real. But then we quickly realized the season was about more than even a virus more than financial instability and uncertainty. Our nation was rocked by racial unrest and protests and political division and turmoil. A storm, (laughs) a storm. See, we're entering into a series throughout this month of November that we really want to address directly the year in which we've been living, 2020. I love looking forward. I love that. And so about this time of the year, as we enter into holidays and stuff like that, I'm kind of excited about the future. I like thinking ahead. And that's biblical, and that's important. However, however, it's also critical that we learn to pause. 
That we live in a world that's in such a hurry and such on to the next thing, on to the next thing, but it's, it's really critical that we learn to pause for a moment and pause long enough to process, maybe to grieve, maybe to grasp fully what's happening in this moment, not just getting through this moment, which I understand, which I, but, but pausing long enough to understand what is this moment about and how can we embrace now in this moment God's purpose and his hope for such a time as this. And so we've called uh, this series The Anatomy of a Storm. The Anatomy of a Storm. What comes to your mind when you think about a storm? All of us have been in a storm not just a physical storm, a thunderstorm, you know, no, no, but, but in your life, a storm. Sometimes storms come out of nowhere, right? Um, or by the time you see it coming, it's already upon you. The storm can be heavy, it can be all-consuming, it can be overwhelming. You don't see a way out. You don't see an end in sight. Sometimes that's how storms feel, don't they? Don't feel shocking. Though it can catch us by surprise, God's word, this is what God's word tells us, that we are to expect storms. We're to expect storms. The question is not today if a storm will come. The question is when a storm will come. So today, really, as we launch into this new series, we really are going to address two specific questions, and it's really one. The question is what now? What now? What do we do with all of this? All that we're experiencing, all that we're processing, all that we're wrestling with, what now? What now? So today we're going we're gonna to turn to a specific story in Scripture where Jesus experiences a storm. Uh, we are in the midst of a storm. Uh, we, we can understand that and we can grasp that. But so today I think it would be important for us to understand a specific storm that Jesus found himself in. And I think as we seek to find our place in God's story, we can find uh, a lot of encouragement, some challenge, and even some hope in the midst of the story. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. If you have your copy of scripture, if you have your Version Bible app, we've got an event set up there. You could turn there. Um, We'd love for you to join in Mark chapter 4. And here's the context. Jesus has been teaching. He's been teaching by the Sea of Galilee. And there are so many people gathered. He actually has to get out into a boat to get further off the land so people can see him, so he can teach. But now, after this time of teaching, time has come for him to get in the boat, the disciples to get in the boat with him, and to cross over to the other side. And they are about to experience a storm. So tune in with me, uh, Mark 4, we're going to be uh, down in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. This is God's word for us uh, today. It says this, that day when evening came, Jesus, he, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. I don't know how many times you've used that word lately. Um, you should try to work it into your vocab. Looks like a squall's a coming. And be like, what are you talking about? A storm, right? A squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping 
on a cushion. Let's stop for a minute and try to think about the disciples right here in this moment. The sea is churning. The waves are rising, crashing over the boat. The boat is rocking this way and that way. And it seems like everyone is about to go down. That sounds a lot like 2020, doesn't it? I mean, can you just see that snapshot there and say, yeah, that's, I, I think that's where we're at today. But Jesus, look, look, in the story, in the storm, Jesus is with them. Jesus is with them. How can a storm happen if Jesus is in the boat? Doesn't having Jesus with you mean you're kind of bulletproof or you're, you're kind of wrapped in this indestructible, you, you can't get hurt, you should be storm-proof? Well, no, actually. The same Jesus that is in the boat is the same Jesus that promised trouble, that promised in this world, you will have storms. So, so while at first it shocks us, while a, a little bit we have this moment of crisis as believers that we kind of think we buy into the lie that following Jesus, walking with Jesus means that we're immune to hard things, know that a storm is happening even though Jesus is right there with them. Let's keep reading verse 38. Verse 38, uh, again, it says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Understand this. We know at least four of the disciples in the boat that day were expert fishermen. That means uh, in that day, you know, you were in a boat a lot. That, that, that means they had experienced storms before. These were not rookies. These were not, this would not be like me out in the storm. That would be, you know, throwing up over the side and screaming in fetal position, right? That was not, these were experts. These were people who had experienced storms before and yet they were scared. So we know that this is a big storm. We know that even if the experts are scared, if the experts are afraid, this is kind of a big deal, right? And so this is what we know. Their fear is likely justifiable. It's likely justifiable. They can look at the storm and say, wow, this is the biggest one. This is the scariest one. This is the craziest one. This is not uh, the disciples overreacting. This is not them making something out of nothing. This is a very real threat happening around them, and they are terrified. Literally, what do they do? They come and they ask Jesus a very honest question. Don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? We're going to drown. We're dying. You're up there having a cat nap in the front of the... And we're, we're back here. We're going to die. Don't you care? And isn't that the question? Isn't that a, the question that in the hard moments of your life, for those of you that, that have a relationship with Jesus or walking with Jesus, isn't that the question that we wrestle with time and time again? It is for me in the hardest moments of my life. In the moments where it seems like the storm is overwhelming, isn't that the question that rises up within us more than ever? Jesus, don't you care? Are you paying attention? Wake up, Jesus. Isn't that the question? Isn't that exactly where some of us are today? We feel beat up, beat down. It feels like God doesn't even care, doesn't it? If we were really honest today, Jesus, don't you care? Don't miss what's happening here. You see, the disciples, the disciples had more faith in the storm than they did in Jesus. They had more faith in what was happening outside of the boat than who was with them in the boat. 
they had more faith in the power of the storm to destroy them than the power of Jesus to save them. Let's keep reading. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Verse 39. So Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind. He said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I don't know about you, but I have questions in the storm. I'm not just talking about in 2020. I got a lot of questions right now. I'll show you that. But, but in every storm of my life, the storms I can point back to in my life, I've, I've, I've got questions. I'm sure you do too. And so in the midst of this storm, I got questions. I got questions like, like why do they have to endure the storm in the first place? What was the purpose of the storm? That's always a question, isn't it? In this particular story, I have other questions. Why was Jesus sleeping? Okay, he was tired. Okay, he took naps, which is really encouraging to me, by the way. I've said that before. I love when I get my Sunday afternoon nap, which may be like 20 minutes or something, but I feel like I'm, I'm like Jesus, you know? Jesus took naps. So it's spiritual, right? I get that. But, but why in this case was Jesus sleeping? Why? Why didn't they trust him? They had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen him heal. They, had seen, they walked with Jesus. Why in this moment? Why in this moment? Couldn't they trust him after all that they had seen? Why were they terrified after he calmed the storm? You see that? He calms the storm, and then it says they were terrified. Why? So many good questions here, but I want to pause for a minute, and I want to focus on what I think might be the most significant question in the midst of the storm. It's a significant question in this storm. I think it's a significant question in the storm in which we find ourselves right now. And the question is this, at the very end of the story, their question, who is this? Who is this? Is it possible? Is it possible that the disciples who were following Jesus, actually kind of the correct modern day language would be that they were apprenticing under Jesus. That's really what it meant to be a disciple, that you were apprenticing under him, right? So, so these disciples that were apprenticing under Jesus, they went where he went, that they listened to him teach, they saw miracles, they had a front row seat to the ministry of the Son of God. Is it possible they still didn't truly understand who Jesus was? Their question, who is this? Who is this? There's this uh, really fascinating concept when you pull back and, and look and study the Gospels kind of as a whole, the Gospel of Mark and also the other Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John, all the Gospels together. There's this element that presents itself specifically in Mark's Gospel, but really throughout all of them, and it's really confusing. Because Jesus, literally, if you look today in Mark chapter 1, there's this instance where Jesus, he heals, uh, he heals. And immediately after he heals the man, he says something that's so puzzling and confusing to me. He says, don't tell anybody. What? Well, well, but but you're Jesus, and and you're God's son. Shouldn't I tell everybody? Is that wrong? But, But time and time again, you see it most throughout Mark's gospel, but you see it throughout all the gospels. There's a moment and a time where where Jesus will be teaching and he'll perform a miracle and almost immediately he turns and say, don't tell anyone about me. That seems so counter. And this is the same same God that the the Great Commission later will say, go tell everyone. So why, Jesus, are we telling no one in this instant? Well, Well, 
as you study and as you learn, I, I think there's some significance here in understanding what the Jews believed about the Messiah. See, historically, the Jews for generations longed for a Messiah. They longed for a conquering king. They longed for someone to come in and overthrow the Roman government. They longed for a political revolutionary. That's what they longed for. That's what they believed in. And so as Jesus came and as he began to minister and even as he began to perform miracles, I think some excitement began to arise. Maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the one that's going to kick down the doors and throw out the Roman government. Maybe this is the one who's going to be the political answer to all our questions and confusion and failure. And quite quickly along that process, Jesus stops them and says, hey, don't tell anybody about that Messiah. Don't spread those ideas any further. That's not the Jesus. That's not the Messiah that I came to be. Don't tell anyone about that. See, Jesus came not to be a conquering king, but a suffering servant. He came to humble himself. He came ultimately, what was his mission? His mission was not just to teach and, and do miracles, but, but his mission was to die on a cross, to take the lowest form. So, so he knew about their expectations. He knew what they expected of a savior. And he says, don't tell anyone about that kind of a savior. Don't tell them about that version. That's not who I am. Jesus, man, this is so important. Jesus didn't want faith in him to be built on this false understanding of who he is. So I think it's important that we stop in the midst of the storm and we ask this question, who is he? Who is this Jesus? You know what storms often do in our lives? Not just in 2020, although I think it's a great example. You know what storms often do? They kick out the false props in our lives. It, it removes all of the things, all of the things that are propping us up, all of the things that we're relying on. It's like, it's like we, have faith in, we have faith in God and. And whatever that and is for you, whatever that fill in the blank is, maybe you're not always aware. Maybe you say, oh, I have faith in God. I trust him, but I also trust in my bank account and my job security in the political forecast of our nation. and what the, I don't know what it is for you, but, but oftentimes without realizing it, we would say, I trust you, but I trust you and. And whatever else is in the and, all of that stuff really is just kind of false props. It's the things that we rely on to make us feel comfortable, to make us feel secure. I understand that, but you know what often happens in a storm is that it kicks out, it removes all those false props. I, I've, I've heard a, a pastor and leader say this recently. Most of us, our faith isn't in God. Our faith is in God's ability to come through for us. Our faith is in God meeting the needs that we have. Our faith is in God showing up in the ways that we want him to show up. And so sometimes when a storm comes and all of the peripheral around us gets a little bit disrupted, our faith is rocked because these false props, the things that we rely on for comfort and strength instead of God, get removed. And so in a storm, in that moment of uncertainty, so many of those things are stripped away and there's only God in that moment. Until the storm started to rage, you know, I think as the storm started, the fishermen, you know, the disciples, they were there and like, we got this, we're okay. But it wasn't until the storm reached its peak that they said, we got to get Jesus. We're in over our head. All of, their, all of their security and comfort was stripped away. And they realized, we're desperate for God. So the question again today is, what do we do? What do we do in this moment? 
I, I think a, a quote uh, that's ministering to me a lot in this season, uh, just her words really spoke to me this week as I studied and I, as I prepared. It's Beth Moore, a Christian author and leader, speaker. She said these words, and ever since I've read them, I just think they're so appropriate for us today. She says this, we want Christ to hurry and calm the storm, but he wants us to find him in the midst of it first. Now, I want us to think about these words for a minute because I, I think there's so much truth here. We want, what do we want? We want Christ to hurry and calm the storm. I understand that. I've been praying for that. I've been trusting in that, right? But what if, what if his greatest desire in the midst of the storm is to not calm the storm as quickly as possible? What if his greatest desire is that we would find him in the midst of it? Before the waves are settled, before we see peace, before we see the answers that we are longing for, what if he longs for us to find him first? Who is this? The disciples said. Because in the midst of the storm, you know what we have to do? We truly have to look for him. We truly have to understand who he is. So what do we do? What do we do in the midst of our storm? What do we do when we find ourselves exactly where we find ourselves today? We look to him. We look to him. What did the disciples do in the boat that day? In the midst of the fear, when they realize this is in over our head, when all the false props get kicked out of their lives, they say, wake up, Jesus. They turn to him. They turn to him. But, but... But you say, man, look at the storm and look at how high the waves are. Yeah, yeah, I would say, look, look, look to him. You would say today, but it feels like God doesn't care. Look to him. It feels like I'm all alone in this. Like, like, like I've never felt more isolated and alone. I would say to you today, look to him. What about the future? It feels so uncertain. It feels so scary. I would say to you today, look to him. What about the unknown? What about all the things that I could stay up in bed thinking about all of the unknowns and all of the, look to him. I'm afraid. I'm hurting. I'm confused. You may say today, I would say to you, look to him. I feel alone and disconnected. I'm grieving. I'm heartbroken. I would say to you today, look, look to him. Look to him. My three-year-old uh, loves to bless me with the privilege of getting up early because that's what she does. And, you know, happy time change weekend. If you have a preschooler, you realize you didn't gain an hour of anything because nobody told my daughter that you get to sleep an extra hour today. She was just up you know, whatever time her body tells her to get up. So one morning this week, as I go upstairs and get her from her room and she, you know, she screams in the baby monitor, I'm all done, time to get up, I'm all done. So I get there in the morning, everybody else in the house is sleeping, it's still dark outside. Try to lead her down the stairs quietly so we don't wake up her siblings. So we let everybody else have a moment of peace before we start our day a little bit earlier than anyone intended to. And while we're walking down the stairs in our home, as we've done many, many times, it's still dark, and, and Glory's walking next to me. And as we begin to come to the stairs, she stops, and she says, Daddy, I can't see. 
without thinking about it, without, I, I just said, it's okay, I can, I can see. Then she said again, Daddy, it's too dark. You know, she wants to flip on every light in the house. I'm trying to keep everybody in bed. She says, Dad, I can't see. And I say, it's okay, I can. And she says, no, 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 Daddy, it's too dark. And I said to her in that moment, I said, give me your hand. I can see. And it wasn't until I got to the bottom of the steps that I heard the voice of the Lord say, Adrian, isn't that a lot like what I want to do in the midst of your storm? Uh, as I got to the bottom of the steps, I, I felt the spirit of the Lord speak to me and say, Adrian, it feels dark, doesn't it? Yeah. Adrian, there are times right now in these days where you feel like you can't see. Yeah, Lord, you're right. Give me your hand. I can see. Give me your hand. I can see. Trust me, one step at a time. You can't see, son or daughter. You can't see, child of mine. You are rocked by the storm. You're overwhelmed by the wind and the waves. All of the false props in your life have been stripped away, and you're terrified, and you can't see anymore. Look to me. Give me your hand. I can see. I can see. Oh, but it's too dark, Lord. It's too dark. It's too... Trust me. I can see. As we prepare to close today, I was moved by the word of God this week as I studied. There's a portion of scripture in the Psalms. In the Psalms, I, I don't know where you're at in the midst of your storm, but the Psalms are a great place to land in these days because they're just honest reflections, honest moments of worship, of crying out to the Lord in the midst of a storm. There's a specific part of the Psalms, 15 chapters specifically, and they're referred to as the Psalms of Ascent. Ascent. Ascent literally means, you know, to go up. And why are they called that? It's because these psalms, these psalms were not just written as neat poems that you read. No, no, no. They were written as, as songs, as anthems of worship. And though these psalms of ascent were literally written as worshipers made their way up towards Jerusalem for the annual feast, for the time of worship. So these Jews traveling to Jerusalem for one of these annual feasts or festivals that they had, as they journeyed up the mountain, they would sing these words of worship. They would declare these, even in hard times, even in the midst of the storms, as they began to ascend up the mountain, they declared these words. And so these Psalms, called the Psalms of Ascent, up the road. And so this morning, as we prepare to close, I want to close with a psalm of ascent. <laughs> We're going to close with a song that was written, inspired by these words that I'm going to read to you now. But today, I'm going to invite you for a minute. Would you just close your eyes where you are? I'm going to read the word of God to you. But today, I want you to receive God's word as personal just for you. I want you to receive and understand that the words that I'm about to read to us today are God's words, and they were true when they were written, and they were true a generation ago, but I believe they're true for us today, and in the midst of the storm, maybe, more than anything, God desires for you today to look to Him. Even when it's dark, even when you can't see, even when the enemy makes you feel like you're all alone, Look to him, look to him.
Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at abeaconofhope.org for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.